0: This message was presented at the GYC 2012 conference in Seattle, Washington. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. We, want, we have a lot to share here, and I want to get started. Um, we're just going to trust God to minister to our hearts today. We don't want to leave this seminar having, having not been with God. So, I want you to open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to pray that God would give us understanding as we study the Scriptures together and as we talk a little bit about the sacrifice, um, the counting, counting the cost. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us as we... Want you to guide us into all truth. Lord, we believe the Word of God has the power over Satan, over self, over anything power, principality, over everything. And we know that if you will give us understanding, that we can believe and accept it and that power can be applied in our lives. Lord, we've come from all kinds of backgrounds various places, but we want to go back changed in your likeness, building hope in the kingdom of God. So I pray your Holy Spirit to be with us now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, when you give your life to Jesus, when you surrender your heart to him, you're, you, you do it unconditionally, like we said. I mean, it's, it's okay, God, uh, I'll serve you, but I am not going to teach a Sabbath school lesson. You can't say that, but negates everything before it, right? Tell your wife that someday, honey, oh, this meal is so good, but what what did you do to your hair? You know, I mean, it just sort of ruins it, doesn't it? But it ruins it. It sort of wipes out, it negates everything that you said. When you give your life to Jesus, you give it to him unconditionally. Okay, God, if you want me to teach a Sabbath school lesson? I remember when I went to church, someone asked me to, um, to lead song service for Sabbath school. Now, I, I didn't, I, I hadn't had any music appreciation uh, at all. But I loved the Lord, and I would sing, and I loved to praise Him, and I'd sing out loud, and they asked me to get up front and lead. And and so I just noticed that people would do this with their hands, and I thought they were just filled with the Spirit. I didn't know that there was a timing in music. I I, I hadn't taken that course. I didn't know about 4-4 timing or 3-4 timing. I didn't know about that. I just thought they were excited about praising the Lord. And so I would get up and I would sing, come on, and I'd get the church. Come on, guys. Let's sing, you know. And finally one sister came up to me who was the organist of the church. She says, Ken, she says, please would you let would you what what are you doing with your hand? I says, Well, I'm just praising the Lord. I see other people doing that. And I'm just praising the Lord. That's not what they're doing, Ken. <laughs> and And she mentored me. Praise God for for people that aren't critical. I mean, you know, a music, someone that appreciates music, someone that has perfect pitch. Do you know how things could irritate them? And and she's like, till one day she just had to talk to me. You guys, but if I would have said, okay, God, I'm not leading music again. Because, you know, I didn't do it right, or I I didn't know what I was doing. I made a fool out of myself in front of everybody. I'm not doing that again. I'm like, okay, will you teach me? And she sat down, and she said, okay. And the beat, when it goes down, you know, and this timing, 4-4 timing. I'm like, oh, wow, that makes sense. I was looking stupid, wasn't I? (laughs) Yeah, you were, but we love you. We know you love Jesus. (laughs) Those of you that are older in this room, are you mentoring people? you're all older than somebody you're all older than somebody are you mentoring people that are younger than you are you younger people mentoring people that are older than you we need it give you an example who's younger in here here right here how do I use this I've got a smartphone and I'm an idiot okay but Man, when I get around you, you here you go. How would you fix that? Oh, don't worry about it. No, I want you to show me. Okay, here's what you do. There's so many things that you young people know that I don't. We need to team up in the church. Older people, you know, instead of a bulletin that we're killing trees, Get that bulletin. Figure, figure out how to do it on PowerPoint or on smartphones and get it out there. Get the information. Teach us how to network. Or we're in old school, guys. We need you. You that have houses. Open up your houses and say, hey, guys, on the weekend, I really don't know how to talk to young people. I don't, really know, how, I don't know your language, but I want to. I don't know how you guys think, I don't know how you guys act, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up my house on Friday night, and I'm going to have haystacks. And you can, you can just hang out, you can bring guitars, you can sleep on the floor, we can have a Bible study, but my home is going to be open on Friday night and all day, Sabbath Friday night and Sabbath afternoon, and anybody can hang out. Guys, I need you to come to my house on Wednesday and start a prayer meeting. My house is open for you to have a prayer group. Guys, you that have resources, make them available to the youth. Make them available. Your houses are going to burn anyway. What if they break a lamp? What if they break a a vase that was bought in Hungary and it cost you a a bunch of money? What are you going to do when Jesus comes? Oh, God, please, I bought that in Hungary. It was so, oh, this could be valuable someday. Yeah, right. Jesus, it's all going to burn. What if they spill something on your carpet? We've got a carpet cleaner. Um, You know, that was the place where that person spilled it and they felt so bad, I'm going to keep that there. Because I love that kid. I want that to remind me that they're more important than my carpet. You see, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends out some disciples. It says in verse 5, the twelve Jesus sent out, commanded them, saying, Do not go into the ways of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. Do you know why he said that? Do you know why in Daniel he he said this? Does anybody know the 2300 day prophecy? The 70 week prophecy. You see, the 70 week prophecy would end when? Come on. That's Stephen's, the stoning of Stephen. And 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 so the, the the probation of Israel hasn't closed and Jesus is telling them, "Go and tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. I am the messiah, the messiah what had been prophesied by Daniel is now before you." Oh, how he wanted to see it. Now it is before you. Go and tell people the kingdom of God is at hand. A lot of people read that and say, "Why were they saying that? Jesus second coming hasn't happened." It's not even anywhere close. Are you kidding me? Do you not understand prophecy? Then get in it. There's so many things that I don't understand that I'm studying. I'm studying Daniel 11 right now and I'm pouring over and I've been over it for years and years and years because I want to grasp Guys, we need to start studying the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation together because there is a message for Seventh-day Adventists to give in this end time. And God wants you to use it. He doesn't want us to be battling with the things of the world. Turn off movies. Turn off sports. Turn off all of that stuff. Guys, I wish I could say I've always done that. This message is from me. You know, what is distracting us? What is keeping us from hungering and thirsting? There's something that Satan is wanting to do. He's wanting to keep us from being hungry from the Word of God. The Laodicean message in Revelation chapter 3 tells us that we're lukewarm, we have need of nothing, we have everything. And yet we don't realize that we're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Guys, I tell you this much. If I would have worn my swimming suit and, and flip-flops, no shirt, you guys would know that I, there was a problem with me, right? It'd stand out. But yet we go to church as sin, naked before God, and don't even know it. And now he's saying, study. And these guys had spent time with Jesus. And he says, now go. Go and share. Share with my people. Don't go to the Samaritans yet. Paul's going to get there. Peter, you'll get there eventually. You don't realize that you're going to be crucified upside down. I know. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have trials. But just take this step for me today. And so if you read this, God gives them power. It says, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. How many of you freely receive from the grace of Jesus today? If you're not giving it, it's going to die. You're bearing it like the talent. And it will serve you no good in the end. But you can multiply that talent. You can multiply that gift. Just share it. It's going to be awkward like in last last hour session. Satan wants to stomp it out. He wants to keep you from witnessing, from sharing. Because he knows that the very... Words in which you refresh someone else with is going to refresh you. Guarantee you what? Heidi and I are going to get more of a blessing out of this than you have. You know, our churches are dying on the vine, you guys. And you're allowing it to happen. You're, you're, you're sitting there and sitting back and allowing it to happen. And not saying, hey, I'd like to I volunteer. What? When they get themselves off the floor, say, yeah, teach me how to do this. I want to do this. We have young people in the world that are making $100,000, million-dollar decisions, and in the church, they're not making a $10 decision. The highest form of government in the church is what? Anybody? Anybody? What's that? The highest form of government in the local church. The board? No, it isn't. The business meeting of the church. The business meeting of the church is the highest form of government in the church. The board that the business meeting elects every year or two years... They have to give an account to all of the members of what they do. How many of you have ever, how many of you are baptized? Raise your hand. Okay, now lower your hands. How many of you um, have never been to a business meeting? Why? Every single member of the church. is a member of the business meeting. And the elders and the deacons and the deaconesses are supposed to give an account of what are you doing with the money? What are you doing to win souls? What are we doing as a church to be effective in our community? How, how How can we reach our community? And elders will freak out if you start asking for an accountability. Because you know what elders have, have, have digressed to in the Adventist church? In many cases, not all. There's some godly elders out there that love Jesus and are, are working according to the Bible. But many of the elders just do the announcements and ramble for 15 or 20 minutes before the sermon about who knows what. And, 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 and deacons just open the church and clean the church. And they, and they do things that, you know, I mean, are, take care of things that are going to burn. Jesus has a love for His church. And in prophecy, He sends His disciples out and He says, tell the children of Israel that the kingdom of God is at hand. Tell them, I'm going to die. The 70th week is here. In the middle of that week, I'm going to be cut off. And in the end of that week, probation is closed. Judgment is determined on my people. And they crucified Jesus. The disciples didn't even get it yet. They were saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Guys, if you'll read this chapter, you'll see the struggles through chapter 15. But look at the environment that Jesus is going to send them in in verse 16. And, And I'm in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and what? Harmless as doves. Don't be obnoxious Christians. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues and you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. When they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. Just be faithful to the word. Say yes to God when he asks you to do something. I don't care what it is. If it is leading a song and you don't know how to keep time, ask somebody to tell you how to do it. I don't care what it is. Say yes to Jesus. Verse 22, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be what? Look at verse 32 and verse 33. He says, after he tells them their worth, you can read this chapter. Verse 32 and 33 says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. In verse 37, it says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves a son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. For he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Break up into groups and, and, and break up what that particular verse means. Verse 39, just talk about that for a few minutes. He who finds his life will lose it, And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Unpack that among each other. Get in groups of three and four. If you're by yourself, come on, get into groups. Some of you are really slow at this. Okay, would you guys open up your Bibles now uh, to Hebrews chapter 7:25 and read that in your group. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 and read that in your group. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. Please read that in your group together. Chapter 7 verse 25. What relationship now does 7.25 of Hebrews have with the last verse that you read? What relationship now does it have with that? Share that among yourselves please. You guys have had time to read that and process that. These are the kinds of things that you can do when you're in groups, when you're around friends. If Jesus isn't a part of the conversation, you guys, pretty, pretty soon he'll rarely be a part of the conversation. But it's, it's great to get together and get people's ideas and say, hey, you guys, what, what do you think about Hebrews 7.25, that Jesus can save to the uttermost? you know, if I try to save my life, I'm going to lose it. But Jesus can save to the uttermost. You know, am I going to be ashamed of Jesus? How do you find the leaders? How, how do you find the leadership ability in you to be able to, to initiate, to be able to start? You see, Jesus is the creator and He wants to live in your life, that means that you will have the power to create situations that will draw people close to Him. He will work in you to open doors that were never possible before. You know, you were just giving people information. You were knocking on doors. You were handing people the steps to Christ. Hey, my dad thinks this is really good. I want to give it to you. I haven't read it, but here, have this. You know, hey, my mom really loves A Desire of Ages. I've never read it either, and I probably won't for a while. But here, have this. It's really good. Oh, are you in trouble here, sister? Have this. I've never experienced it myself, but I'm sure it will help you. You see, when we get in the Word and we get the spirit of prophecy in our mind, it opens up doors. God begins to create things. And now you're like, whoa, let's talk about this. How has this impressed you? And now I'm being able to see a side of the verse that I would have never seen had I not corresponded with you. Had I not had this relationship with you. And so now Jesus is the center of my friends. Jesus is not like, um, hey, I'm going to hang out with my friends over here. Um, Jesus, I love you. I'll be back on Sabbath. You stay right there. <laughs> I'll be back. I want to see you. Really, I do. I want a blessing. I want to get that feeling. But I'm going to lose it this week because I'm going to be with these friends, and we're going to be at a party. And, and we're going to be doing some things that I don't think you'd like anyway. Okay? You probably wouldn't enjoy them. We're going to talk about guys, you know, and we're going to talk about girls and, 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 you know, that kind of thing. So, okay, let's go. You know, see what I'm saying? And, okay, Jesus, it's church again. Hi, Jeff, well, I wish I was over there, but right, I'll go to church. Okay, pretty soon we fall out of love with Jesus and we're going to a church building, but we're not in love with him. And our singing of the hymns, we we know it's fake. Our, our study of the lesson is just information regurgitated. You see, we've got to let Jesus be a part. Hey, Jesus, man, I've been living a, a terrible life, but would you come with me? I want, I want you to hang out with my friend. If there's something you don't want us to do, then I'm not going to do it. Because you're the way, you're the truth, and you're the life. You can save to the uttermost. Now, um, here's what I want you to do. These are my two helpers in the illustration. Now, I want you guys to turn around and face away from them because I want to give them some instructions, okay? So turn around and face them and don't look. Okay, now, if this side, would you stand up, all of you, just stand up where you are, okay? You're going to get to watch this. All right, now, you, half of you turn this away and look at this group, okay? Okay? Now, Heidi, is what I want you to do is I want you to pick a leader, one leader uh, in this group. And now every one of you have to do everything that the leader does. The leader, you just won't be able to speak words. You can do anything, but everybody has to follow you. Heidi, would you pick out that one leader? Because in a minute, I'm going to turn... I'm going to turn you guys around, and you're going to try to find out who the leader is. Now, you don't know who the leader is, but you're going to find out. Heidi, did you pick one yet? Okay. All right. Now, do everything that the leader does. You guys can turn, and you have one opportunity to find out who the leader of the group is. a Leader, you're already working. Okay? You guys can turn and look at this group, and I want you to find the leader. Just go around... Yep, this group right here and find the leader. I'm going to give you 20 seconds. You better hurry. All right, are you the leader? No. Come on, leader. Come on. Who, who, him? Are you the leader? Yes. Oh, how did you know? What's that? He was doing everything first. So, how did you know? What, what did you know to look for? The person that was moving first. <laughs> okay. So, you're just focusing in on the person. Now, I want you guys to stand up. Okay. I want you guys to stand up. You can sit back down. No, um, you two lovely ladies, I want you to have the same opportunity. All right, Heidi, please pick another leader. <clears throat> no, well, they got it. They got this. That was cool. They got this. I mean, um, yeah. You, all right, you, did you pick your leader? All right, you guys face the back, face the back. Okay, everybody knows who the leader is. Is that clear? All right, wait a minute. Girls, don't look. Leader, raise your hand. All right, start leading, leader. Start leading. Okay, girls, go find them. 20 seconds. Him? Are you the leader? No. Okay. You've got to sit down. Come on. Walk around. Hurry. Find that leader. (laughs) She gave it away. Were you the leader? All right. You guys, let me ask you something, a question here. Why why didn't all of you point out who the leader was? Who said that? But who who gave them the rules that you couldn't help them find the leader? Huh? You wouldn't want to help them find the leader. You see, our culture sets us up for all kinds of things. Our culture sets us up for... Look at the competition that's in our culture. This was now a, a game, and, and if you found the leader, you would actually win, and we don't want you to win because we want to... You see, and then, and then if somebody's really looking they'll find the leader of your friends. Because if you are looking to your friend as the leader, watch how you begin to dress. Watch how you begin to cut your hair. Watch what kind of music you start to enjoy. What what kind of things you start to enjoy. Because who you look to is your leader. You see how Jesus says, now I can save to the uttermost. But then how come he can't save everybody? How come he can't save everybody? Because let's face it, he can't save Satan. And if 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 Satan he knows the he knows the rules in the controversy. There was um, a, a, a man in, Haitia, uh, in Haiti. I've been on that island. How many have been, been on the island of Espanol? And Dominican Republic and, and Republican, Haitian country. Okay. Well, this one man, he has this house and he loves it. And another man loves it too. And he comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, I want to buy your house. He says, no, I can't buy your house. I, I, I love this thing. You can't buy my house. No, really, I want to buy your house. He came every day and he was obnoxious. Finally, one day he said, okay, I'll sell you my house under one condition. What's that? He says, I'm going to put one nail in the center of my house on this doorway. Boom, boom. That's my nail. I'll sell you the house except for that nail. The guy says, are you kidding me? Okay. Signs the papers, makes it legal. This guy moves in, he enjoys the scenery, he fixes it up even better than the man before. The trouble is, the man couldn't find another place he wanted to live better than the one he had. And he came back one day and said, "I want my house back." Uh, "No way! Ah! Uh-uh! I'm not su- I'm coming back every day. I'm going to bug you like you bugged me. I don't care. You can you it doesn't matter. I know that tactic." uh uh-uh, I like the house. I fixed it up even better than you had it. He said, okay. Next day he comes back and he had the carcass of a dead dog. And he says, you see that nail? You see this letter? That is my nail. And he went and he hung the carcass of that dead dog on that nail. And he says... There's going to be maggots, there's going to be flies, and when that's done, I'm going to come back and I'm going to put another one there. Now, the authorities know that this is my nail, and that had better stay up there. I'll check on it every day. After a while, can you imagine? The man said, Listen, you can have the house back. It's done. You see, Satan knows that if you give 99% of your efforts to God and the work in his church and the mission of his church of going and telling people that the kingdom of God is at hand, that he's got one little nail and he can say, listen, if you can save this man right here, if you can save this man right here, if you can save this woman right here, and they're doing what they're doing, then you have to save me. Does that make sense? Satan says in the judgment, listen, this person has not surrendered a hundred percent to Christ. He has left this little thing, and you've been you know as well as I do that there's something in our lives from time to time as we grow in grace that God says, please, I don't want you to listen to this music. And we say, Oh, God no, I I want to listen to it. We give we give the devil a nail. And Satan will say, if you save that person, then you have to save me. Otherwise, it's not fair, God. I'll give you most of my life, but not all of it. The devil believes with fear and trembling, but it doesn't save him. Are you following me? And so, when you struggle with things, when I first came into the church, you guys, man, I was listening to Led Zeppelin and rock and roll music, and man, I was like, wow, this is, you know, what am I going to listen to? I came into the church, and listening to these hymns, I was like, bored to death. There's no energy in this music. But I came to love Jesus, you guys, and nothing was going to turn me away. Laodicea wasn't going to turn me away. And so I said, okay, God, if you really want me to listen to country and western music, I was living in Texas at the time. I said, okay, I guess I'll listen to country and western music. I hated it. I started wearing cowboy boots and cowboy hat and listening to country and western music. And one day God says to me, "I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading my spirit of prophecy, listening to country and western music. I have an hour to work, a drive to work every day. He says, Ken, listen to the words. They're swapping wives. They're drinking whiskey. They're, look at the words. What, what does that music do when they get together and they're, they're dancing and their inhibitions are gone? Ken, I never told you to listen to rock and roll music and, I, and, then, and then it just hit me. Oh God, I have to listen to opera? Is that your music? I'm being honest, you guys. I didn't have someone guiding me at this point. I had lived away from God for so long, I couldn't even hear his voice. Now I'm hearing his voice and I'm saying, okay, I hear your voice, but now here's here's what I think you need. Here's what I think I need to do. And I I said, God, I cannot listen to opera. I just won't listen to music. uh, Classical music, okay, I'll try to listen to that. And I started to like it. But God was, he, he guides us, you guys. But if I, at one point, it, at one point I, it, was, it was over meat-eating. I was welding for this rancher, and I was doing this job, and he come up to me and he says, hey, you want half of a 600-pound bull? And I said, sure. And he said, uh, okay. So I bought half of a 600-pound bull, and I was fixing all this, and the Spirit of the Lord, and I was praying, God, how can I get to know you better? And he says, Isn't your body the temple of God? I said, Yeah. And he says, Shouldn't anything dead be buried? I said, Wow. But you ate meat? But the spirit of prophecy is clear that the message for Laodicea and the Last Day Church is that it is not going to be safe to eat flesh food and the things that man do to meet in the last days was not done for man when i was there the message for israel was their message that the israelites that the disciples were supposed to preach the kingdom of god is at hand guys what's our message we have a health message Some people will criticize you for wearing jewelry and yet they wear jewelry in fat around their waist. They'll eat whatever they want to. They'll go to potlucks, cheese and and all kinds of stuff. Eat meat and burgers and, and load up and go to buffets and eat all you can eat. And just the selfishness is around their waist. Guys, I learned this message and I learned that I'm growing in grace. Guys, I only embraced the health message about eight months ago. I had to come to grips with this. that I could not, I could not preach about the three angels' message and not allow my body to be God's 100%. Now, I'm just eating plant based. I'm not vegan, and I'm not, I don't know what all that's. Like. Vegan isn't even healthy. Vegan just means you don't eat meat, you don't eat animal products. You can eat, vegans can eat tons of fried food and fats and sugars and, and, and just be, and think they're holy because they're vegan. You know, I mean, there isn't anything healthy about veganism. And, and God just says, Ken, here's what I want you to do. If man has anything to do with it, eat 20% or less of it. And read labels. If, it's, if there's high fructose corn syrup in there, that's modified. Stay away from it. Just start reading labels and saying, if, if God wants you, here's what's going to happen, you guys. Because we go to church, we're, our members are full and they haven't accepted the health message. And they're about to sleep. Like a couple of you here are in this room. You know, you're just sort of dozing. Your blood sugar goes up and then it goes down. Guys, when I'm in a meeting, I'm in the executive committee of the Michigan Conference and I've got ADD and I can't just sit there and fall asleep. I'll stand up in front of a whole room full of people and start stretching. I'm like, well, do you want me to go to sleep? (laughs) No! If you're going to sleep in church, stand up and get to the back. Don't let the devil rob you. But guys, then start living the health message. You young people, you take hold of this health message and with the the right arm of the gospel, the health message can have its power like nothing else can wave through our church. There's power in the word. Guys, I was uh, was, uh, confronted with with this, and I started to realize, I want you to turn with me to now Hebrews chapter 9:22. He, Hebrews chapter 9: 22 and 24 through 24. And according to the law, almost all things are purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these things but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for who? Our message brings people into the sanctuary in heaven where Jesus is. The Seventh-day Adventist message tells people that fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment have come. And our salvation wasn't purchased with silver or gold, but with the very blood of Christ and Jesus who takes Himself as a sacrifice into the most holy place. Now when you pray, your, your prayers are ascending and going over the Ark of the Covenant where the law of God is. And Jesus is saying, my blood, my blood, Father. He presents Himself. He'll meet you where you are. And He'll help you to grow. And as you experience growth, you're going to experience change. Your testimony, you guys, that that I have, that I began with, is not the same testimony that I would give you. I had experiences on the plane coming here. I can tell you about the health message that I'm just learning. Oh man, how I feel so much better. I can run, I can play, I can I can get around where before I couldn't. I've got six stents in my heart, you guys. I almost died. uh, the the doctors told me oh you just you got coronary artery disease there's nothing you can do you can try to exercise but pretty soon you're gonna have a heart attack you're gonna here's some pills here's some meds guys i i started following god's plan i went to my doctor and i said hey doc i wanted to let you know i i went off plavix what what he says Well, yeah, he said, I'm doing this. Will you test my blood? Because I'm following this plan that God has given the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's a Catholic. (laughs) And I'm finding out about it here, you know. Uh, You know, there's a lot of times I didn't want to know about the health message because I liked all-you-can-eat pizza, let's face it. I liked, I liked, when it was all-you-can-eat, boy, it was all-you-can-eat. Guys, just following the health message. My doctor goes, wow, you've lost 35 pounds. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll try this with you. I'll try this with you. Okay, you can go off Plavix. We're going to try you. I'm going to keep, keep your blood going. You guys, God is, he is so powerful. Yes. He can save to the uttermost. He's interceding for you and for me. I don't want to tell anybody about that. I, 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 don't, I don't want anybody to know that I'm a 7th day Adventist. Guys, I tell you, when you realize what Jesus has done for you and you go back to your churches, there's going to be people that are going to say, oh yeah, you're, you're hot now, but pretty soon you'll be like us. Don't let them pull cold water on you. You go to the throne of grace every day where Jesus told the woman at the well, listen, it's not that you won't be thirsty again, but you'll never need to go anyplace else. The water's right here. I'll satisfy your need. Guys, I was, um, I, I went to work uh, in construction. We weld, we build things, and then we're out of a job. Or we can go with the company and travel. Now, I'm not a union worker. Um, I, I now don't believe in the union. I'm a new Christian, and I don't believe in the union. The union rep comes up, drives me around in a Lincoln Continental, wanting me to join the union. I said, no, I don't think so. I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on my own. So that means that every time I go to a welding test, I have to I, I have to test again. I don't carry a union card, so I go to a job and and you go through a test. The test on one of the welding jobs that I had, it was working for Brown and Root. I was working for Lone Star Steel in Texas, and I wanted at least I wanted to work there. I called up. And I had been out of a job, and I said, hey, I understand you're needing welders. And he said, sure are. And I says, hey, I want you to know before I come out and even test that I'm a Seventh-day Adventist and that I don't work on Saturday. She says, you know, we're working 7-12s here, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. But we're really needing welders. Um, If you test out, I I, I don't think it will be a problem. I think we could work around it. I told her, I said, listen, I'll make up for overtime. I'll work my 12-hour shift in the week. So I'll work my my Sabbath 712. I'll work, I'll put that in the week and I'll work those hours. Because they were working 24 hours to 712 shifts. And and so here I am. I I go into this um, room and is what they do is they take you through this room, they bus you in, it's a huge, thousands of acres, and they bus you in, you, you go through your medical examination, and then once you pass your physical, then you go and you take this 17 and a half hour test, your welding. And you're welding, you're welding vertical, you're welding over, uh, overhead, you're welding horizontal. They cut the weld in two and they look inside it, they x-ray it. You've got to be able to weld anywhere on the place. And it doesn't take 17 and a half hours of constant welding. You have to prepare and you have to do all that, but it's a long test. And so now I'm here in this circle and I'm in a circle of people. There's all kinds of people wanting a job. And now the Spirit of the Lord says, Ken, tell them about your Sabbath again. And I said, Lord, I told them about my Sabbath. And and she said it, didn't think. She said, Ken, she isn't the boss. You need to make sure. Lord, all these people. (laughs) I mean, this is really awkward. This lady's desk is here and all of these people. And if I go up and how is this going to happen? Ken, do you trust me? Lord, I really want this job. This is more money than I've ever made. And I can give you more money. I can give the church more money. I can—I I was paying with tithes and offerings now. And, 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 and Lord, I can give you more money. Ken, you know that's not what I want. I want your faithfulness. Oh man, you guys, I remember my past. I shared with you my past. So I said... If God's telling me to do this, I don't care what everybody in the room thinks of me. I walk up and I see the lady and I tried not to, you know, just holler it out. You know, you're still being self-conscious. And so I tell her, I says, ma'am, I said, um, you know, you and I talked and, uh, and I'm a Seventh-day Adventist and you didn't think it would be a problem. Is that still going to be the case? Can I, can I uh, get the, you know, have my Sabbaths off? She said, oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 let me ask this job superintendent. She calls him on the phone and says, hey, and now she's talking and everybody in the room is now just, you feel like everybody's on you. You feel like you're in a, a ballroom and you're the only one wearing polka dots, you know, and everything is on you. And she says, hey, you know, she asked this guy, um, sir, um, we've got this guy. His name's Ken Metchiff. He's a Seventh-day Adventist and he doesn't work on Saturdays, but he's a welder and he's, he's getting ready to take his test. Can he have his Saturdays off? And he says, Nope. I'm a I'm a, uh, you know, we're working 712s here. If he wants the job, tell him he's got to work on Saturdays. She says, I'm sorry, sir. He said that you have to work on Saturdays if you want this job. Guys, here I am. Guys, do you think that if you follow Jesus, that life is just going to be a charm? We've read that there's going to be hard times. God wants to know, do you love Him? Do you love Him enough to to bleed for Him? Do you love Him enough to sacrifice? Do you love Him enough to take up your cross and follow Him? Do you love Him enough to deny yourself? I had a struggle. Satan was saying, take the job. You need the job. Finally, I said, Ma'am, I said, um, would you mind if I talk to him? Here was her exact words. Okay, but it won't do you any good. She calls him up on the phone. I said, hello, sir, my name is Ken Mitcheff and, and I am a Seventh-day Adventist. I said, um, and all the room is hearing this. I said, I, I, I want to I be able to work on Saturdays. He says, well, he says I'm a preacher, a part-time preacher, a Baptist preacher. And he says, "You know, we're we're work. We're down here. We've got to work hard." And I don't even go to church. I'm having to work. And I said, "Sir, I respect your choice." But he says, "I said I I really love the Lord, and I really believe He wants He He He's He doesn't want me to work on His Sabbath, and I won't do that. But I'd, sir, I'll do this. I'll I'll be honest. I'll be faithful. I'll do my best." And I'll make up for the time that I miss on Sabbath. He paused. Everybody in the room here. And he says, okay. He says, show up. Take your test. Show up Monday morning. We'll give you a try. Hangs up. The lady said, well, what did he say? I said, I could test. He said, I could come to work on Monday if I pass the test. She's like, wow. (laughs) Okay. You know? (laughs) No skin off her back, but, you know, she's like, wow, he changed his mind. She just told me it wouldn't do any good. Guys, on that job, I led more people, praise God, to Jesus than I ever could have. Had I kept that job, I don't think I could have left anyone, led anyone to Christ. People, guys would make fun of me at first, and they would laugh at me at first. And and, and I'll never forget, you guys, the boss that hired me after a couple of years got killed on the job just three months from retirement. We had just bought him his retirement gift, and he gets killed on the job. And now a new boss comes. And he is all business and he's all company. Now I had developed a relationship with everybody for a couple of years. On Friday, one hour before sundown, the foreman would come and pick me up. No matter where I was at, I would have my tools ready and he would truck me out to the gate. I would get in my car and I would drive an hour to my house and I would keep Sabbath. And I was not at a restaurant. I wasn't partying. I was reading my Bible and I was going to church and I was witnessing and sharing my faith because Jesus is able to help us when we're in trouble. He's able to save to the uttermost. But if we can't be a Daniel, if we can't be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how is Jesus ever going to be able to meet us in the fire if we're not there? We've got to face the fire. <clears throat> and so, when I talk about Jesus, I can't help it. So now a new foreman came, a new a job superintendent. He comes. And I'm like, oh, all week long, this is going to be it, Lord. I, this may be when you want me to go. But, okay, I'm going to keep Sabbath anyway. Now I was working on a job near the the office and there was this job superintendent shack and all the foremans and the supervisors and everything stood there. Is our time about gone? Okay, let me finish this up and we'll go. All right, I go into the guard shack on Friday night because one hour before they take me home, I come back one hour after Sabbath on sundown and I work all night long. And now I'm wondering, okay, what's going to happen? And I'm like, oh man. I get ready, I get my lunch pail, I roll my tools up. All my guys, all the guys that are working for me and that I'm working with, they all know. I go in the guard shack and I'll never forget, This was my, I was just struggling here. And I open the door and my lunch pail's in my hand and I've got to get the foreman to take me in the truck out. And so I look at the foreman, and he says, oh, yeah, Ken, yeah, no problem. I'm going to get ready to go. And the job superintendent, he's looking at blueprints, and he looks at me, and I'll never forget his face. He looks, and he says, what are you doing? Because you guys, when we get ready to leave, after 7 we get ready to leave. We're getting on the bus to go out to the guard shack. They'll tap several of us on the shoulder and says, we need, we need you to stay. We'll have to work extra. And, and, and it makes long days. And, and so he says, what are you doing? We, we've got this shutdown going on. We've got to finish this job. And my, before, I, I was about to say, well, sir, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. My foreman stands between me and him. And he says, Ken Mitchiff is a Seventh-day Adventist, and he keeps Saturday as his Sabbath, and he's got an agreement to do that. Come on, Ken, let's go. <laughs> And I'm like, well, Lord, I'm going to keep the Sabbath. Now, Monday, I'll probably, I mean, or Saturday night when I come back, I'm probably going to get fired. I don't know what's going to happen. But, guys, do you know what the Sabbath meant to me when I went to church? Do, do you lack uh, pleasure going to church? Do you lack energy going to church? Is it because you're not allowing God to work in your life? I'm going to take up an offering if I keep preaching. Heidi, you better Praise close Lord. this up.
1: And like I said, God wants to do
0: the same things that he has done
1: in Ken's life, in all of ours. Amen? Amen. And he has done just as extraordinary of things. Praise the Lord. I think of uh, the, the cost of following Jesus, and the verse that comes to mind is Revelation 12, and verse 10 and 11, speaking of... The accuser of the brethren, the one who is trying to cause us to fail, um, being cast down to the earth, and the response of God's people uh, to him. In verse 11 it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 It's all tied up in one. You know, the experience with Jesus, the testimony we have with him causes us to be able to not love our lives to the death. We'll let anything go. (laughs) The more and more we love Jesus, the more and more anything, anything can go. And I pray that that's our experience as we continue to listen to his spirit in our hearts and minds. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to pray that your Holy Spirit... Lord, come in and continue to guide the testimony that you are weaving and developing in our lives. Lord, I pray that not only that first love experience and those wow moments uh, would be a part of our testimony, Lord, but that, that we would have experiences that have really shown our counting of the cost, that we would not only be willing to, to live for you, but also to die for you. Lord, I pray uh, that you would, if you have not already, that you would test our experience and our testimony by trial and sacrifice, and that you would teach us um, how to, to be willing to lose our lives uh, for the sake of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, uh, for growing us through this session. May we continue to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.